Are you looking for your next podcast binge to lose yourself in? Let me introduce you to a story that begins with sweet romance but quickly turns into betrayal and the far-reaching consequences of one man's deceit. It's an account told by the women whose lives were forever changed by it. You probably think the stories about you is a podcast hosted by Brittany Art. And it's not just another podcast. It's an exploration of self-discovery, growth, resilience, and healing. And it's all told in a unique format. And this is why I'm so excited about this one. This is Brittany's story, but she doesn't just host it like a podcast in the traditional sense. Through immersive soundscapes and the voices of the women affected by these events, this podcast creates such a unique experience experience that's going to make your headphones glow in the dark. I can't wait to get started and I hope you'll join me. Listen and follow. You'll probably think the stories about you wherever you listen to podcasts. Ever wonder what psychologists talk about over coffee? I'm Dr. Diana Hill, a clinical psychologist in Seaside, Santa Barbara, California, where I specialize in mindfulness and values-based approaches to therapy. And I'm Dr. Debbie Sorensen, a clinical psychologist in Mile High, Denver, Colorado, where I specialize in rehab and health psychology and acceptance and commitment therapy. And from coast to coast, I am Dr. Yael Schoenbrunn, a clinical psychologist and assistant professor at Brown University, specializing in evidence-based relationship treatments. In this podcast, we bring psychology research into practice by discussing topics in psychology with experts in the field and with each other. You'll get a glimpse into the books we read, the research we think is interesting, and the ideas from psychology that we use to flourish in our own lives. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. Hey, Debbie. Hi, Diana. So we have big news today. Yes, last time we gave a teaser on our last episode saying we were going to make an announcement about a change. Drum roll, please. Yeah, so we're, we're really excited that we're going to be bringing on another podcast host with us. And it's actually someone that our listeners will be familiar with. It's Dr. Yael Schoenbrunn, who's been on contributor on a number of our episodes. Yeah, we're so lucky. She's done some great episodes with us, and we have um, invited her to join us for more episodes. So she's going to be a co-host. Yael, you are on the line, too. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for welcoming me onto the podcast, and I'm just so excited to be a part of this awesome endeavor. We're happy to have you. And what we thought we could do today is maybe take a little time to get to know you, as well as talk a little bit about our own backgrounds, uh, Debbie and, and myself, to reorient our listeners to who we are and what we're doing in our communities outside of the podcast and our training and background and just some other interests. We thought it might be interesting to do that too, just for people who are maybe thinking of going into the field of psychology or mental health to get a sense of some of the different training directions you can take to get to where we are and some of the different things that we're doing in our work. Yeah, so maybe we can start there. Should we each, what we thought we might do is each of us talk a little bit about how we got here. Who wants to start? Go for it, Debbie. You can start. Oh, me? Okay. All right. I'll start. Yeah. So just kind of briefly, I grew up in Colorado. And so for my undergraduate degree, I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder. And I studied, I double majored in psychology and anthropology. Um, and then I took a tiny bit of time off, just a year. And then I went to graduate school in uh, for a PhD in psychology at Harvard University. And I was actually, I started out in developmental psychology. I was on a more academic track. And I 
studied with Jerry Kagan, who's a really fantastic developmental psychologist and learned so much from him. But then what I ended up doing was re-specializing in clinical psych. So I had to go back and do clinical training to get my license. So I had to go back to more school and get all my clinical hours that I needed. So I was kind of That's on the lot of school. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was in school forever, pretty much. I'm now 85. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but how yeah. Long, and how long were you in school for? How long does it take to get, I mean, maybe so, that's something we could describe, how long it takes to get a PhD? Yeah, it took about six years to get my PhD. And then after that, and I had kind of started doing some of the clinical coursework at that point, but then I had to do more training and then with internship you know if you count all the way with internship and all of that stuff I think it was like eight or nine years I mean Mm -hmm. you know so some of that I was like working in a clinical setting but I was still a trainee Mm -hmm. so forever I mean it it was close to a decade and a postdoc too after I went straight into a job actually so I was straight from an internship into a job um, which was under supervision um, yeah, and so I, I actually work at the VA, although I always like to make a point to say that what my work on this podcast is separate from that job, but I'm a VA psychologist and I work in a health and rehab setting and love it. And I've cut back my hours a bit since having kids, but I'm, I love my job. And I do just in terms of what I do, you know, I do some, uh, you know, direct therapy, like group and individual therapy. I'm on a lot of um, sort of interdisciplinary teams since I work in a hospital. So I do a lot of work with other psychologists, but also other medical professionals. Um, And then I also do a lot of training. So that's something that I love about my job. I train a lot of psychology doctoral students, interns and practicum students and do some, you know, teach seminars. And I do training within the VA for people who are learning acceptance and commitment therapy. So that's kind of my career path in a nutshell. Love the work I do. I love being a psychologist. It's a fun gig. Diana, how about you? Do you want to give us your um, track, your history into the field and and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. I uh, got my doctorate at uh, University of Colorado, Boulder, like you, uh, yeah, DL. But before that, so I did my undergraduate training at um, UCSB, and I was a biopsychology major. And at that time, I was actually pre-med and thinking that I was wanting to go into psychiatry and had to make a decision at the end there of which direction I wanted to go, psychology or psychiatry. And I was really motivated to actually move towards psychology because I wanted to spend more time with clients. And I was given the impression that psychiatrists have to see a ton of patients but don't really get as much time to develop the relationship. So, But I, I have a strong interest in science, and my favorite courses in undergraduate were all the science courses. I loved organic chemistry and biology and all of that. And then I went on to uh, go to University of Colorado at Boulder, and I studied with Linda Craighead there. And at that time, was specializing in eating disorders and working with her in acceptance, uh, sorry, in uh AAT, I was about to say ACT, but AAT, which is um, an awareness training where you develop awareness of your internal hunger and fullness and use that to guide your eating. So I was doing some clinical research with her, and uh, at that time, I also became really interested in DBT. So I also paired up with Deborah Safer at Stanford and trained with her in DBT for eating disorders, and that's what my dissertation was in. And then I went on to do my uh, internship at UC Davis where I specialized in eating disorders further and that just led to um, actually me getting a a postdoc position and then eventually a job as a clinical director of a treatment center before I moved into private practice. And 
now I'm full private practice and also do trainings for therapists in the community. And I love my job too. I feel like it is a job that if I were not paid to do it, and sometimes I'm sitting there with clients like, you're paying me for this. <laughs> if I were not paid to do it, I would do it. I, I really enjoy the flexibility of private practice. Uh, I really enjoy the populations and the people that I work with. And I feel really fulfilled in my work as well. How about you, Yao? Um, so I also had like a pretty, uh, direct path into psychology, or I guess maybe even more direct than either of you. Um, I sort of figured out that I really loved psychology and research in psychology as an undergraduate. I, um, did, you know, some research assistantships and I just thought they were so cool. Like, it's so cool that you can quantify these really abstract concepts like relationship functioning and happiness and mood fluctuations. And not only that, you can develop and test how effective treatments are in helping people to make improvements in all of these kind of abstract phenomena that are so important to, to our happiness. And you can measure and impact happiness and, and influence it through intervention. And I just thought that was the most empowering, coolest, magical thing. And so um, from there, I went to graduate school in Boulder also, and I worked with a researcher who um, is a marital researcher named Mark Wisman, who was lovely. And I think for my entire life, I've always been particularly fascinated by relationships between people. And I'll, and I'll say a little bit more about how that has evolved. But um, in my graduate work, I focused on different phenomenon in relationships and learning how they sort of impact one another and impact overall uh, happiness in life and sort of the way that we think about our partners and how um, both like the actual thoughts and then the process of how we think impacts our satisfaction in relationships. So um, some kind of really sciencey, very specific stuff, but I was also um, kind of, I think at my heart, I've always been really a clinician. So um, the track that I was on was very research oriented, but I always kind of in the back of my head assumed that someday I would incorporate more of a clinical focus, but it really wasn't until pr pretty far down the road. So from Boulder, I went to internship at Brown um, University, which is uh, where I still am. And Brown is a very heavily researched focused program. So even on internship, which tends for clinical psychologists to be a purely clinically oriented year. I actually did more research than clinical work. Um, and during that year, I applied for a grant to do a research postdoc, which I was awarded. And so I stayed on at Brown for a three-year postdoc, which is a very long postdoc, <laughs> um, and did yet more research. Um, this was focused on looking at um, access to couples therapy for individuals who were in relationships and who were struggling with alcohol use. So I was really exploring like barriers to couples treatment. So we know that couples treatments work really well, but we know that people have a hard time accessing them for lots of um, very complicated and, and some basic logistical reasons. So that's what my work was exploring. And then I stayed on and became promoted to assistant faculty, which is where I'm still at now. But when I had um, my first child, now I have three, um, I realized that research was just 
hard to balance with family in, in the way that I wanted to be a parent. And so I started pulling back a little bit with the support of my colleagues. And um, it was sort of a very long road. But somehow, I've not only pulled back on research, but I've added several other um, hats that sort of fit with the training and, and interests that I have. So I only do about 15% research effort now um, that's funded through grant money at Brown University. But um, in addition to that, I do uh, a little bit of private practice where I specialize in couples therapy. And then I also have sort of this side career of writing about the psychology of balancing um, professional aspirations with um, loving, devoted parenthood. So I get to use a lot of different hats. And, and that's actually one of the things that I love the most about this degree is that it offers you the ability to do so many very cool things. You can teach, you can do research, you can do clinical practice, you can use your skill set to do writing and, and, you know, explore things and translate them to um, individuals who don't have a scientific background. So I just think it's a very powerful degree, um, you know, for, for individuals who, who have an interest in psychology. And I think yeah. we sort of demonstrate a nice diversity of where you can go with a psychologist, you know, as being a psychologist of everywhere, everything from private practice to working in a treatment center to hospital settings to university settings. And I hope that we can bring our background and experiences to this podcast. And I think it definitely informs who we choose as podcast hosts, who we want to interview and some of the topics that we want to explore together. So, Yeah. Nice compliment to each other. I hear a lot of passion from all three of us for this field. A lot of training takes a while to get there, but we all are pretty happy with where we ended up, which is fantastic. And a flexible uh, degree as well in terms of being a mom. So all three of us are moms and we're balancing that in the best way. Well, I don't know if we're balancing. We're doing it in the best way we can. We're trying. So just scheduling the three of us in three different time zones and, you know, really across the country. It's it's a challenge uh, with kids and lives, but we're making it work. So I think it's going to be rare for the three of us to all be on at the same time, hopefully occasionally. (laughs) But (laughs) And you'll often hear children in the background. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we thought we might just quickly, so one thing we've all added to this mix recently is podcasting. Psychology podcasters is now part of our, what we're doing. Our side hustle. Another hat. (laughs) Do we want to, I thought we might just quickly talk about what our values are that brought us to do this. Like, why are we doing this? Just quickly. Can we, what do you guys think? Sure. I think what brought me to, to want to do this was initially was just the relationship aspect of talking with another psychologist. And I, I really liked that when, when Ray and Debbie and I got together, this idea that we could talk about topics in psychology that I think about and I want to read more about on a regular basis and as friends. And, and then we thought it might be interesting for other people to listen to. So, that, so for me, it was a value around what type of friend and psychologist, sort of a colleague friendship relationship I wanted to foster. Uh, as well as I think there's a personal value for myself of I, I love to learn and I find it really enriching for to be interviewing some of the people that we've been interviewing and reading the books we've been reading and having this continuing education for myself is, has been really uh, important. Yeah, I'm going to say some similar stuff to what you just said. You know, when Alexis came on the podcast, she did one on um, positive psychology a couple episodes mm-hmm. back. I can't remember exactly when she talked about the character strength survey and I've taken it before. Um, 
And I think maybe my top one was curiosity and interest in the world. And so this really fulfills that to me. I feel like I learned so much and I'm just endlessly fascinated by humans and by psychology. So I love that. Um, I also just find it really nice to have like a creative outlet where I can kind of put my voice out there and create something. It just gives me so much vitality. I love the idea that maybe somebody somewhere is learning something or we're helping somebody. Um, and then really finally that collaborative piece, Diana, that you talked about, like, it's been so fun to do this together with you guys and with other people who we've interviewed and with Ray who started out with us. Um, so that's been really cool to just work together with people that I really respect. Cool. Yeah. So I guess that one of the um, reasons that I've had a lot of fun in starting to participate in this um, podcast is a little bit different, although I would actually echo everything that you guys already said as well. Um, But I've, being somebody who was really in the trenches of academic research for a while, one of the things that always bothered me is that it really is something that stays separate from most of the community that Um, You know, a lot of the really fascinating and and groundbreaking work that happens in academia is really hard for lay people to access because it's hard to understand, right? We talk in such um, jargon-filled, very dense manuscripts, and there's so much detail, and it's hard to sort of see the overview. And I think that um, in the process of my moving to have a foot outside of academia and in the private practice world, I sort of saw that maybe my sense of purpose in my professional life was shifting to be somebody who could be um, sort of a conduit for for academic research and sort of bringing out some of the things that science teaches into the public sphere. And so I sort of see this podcast as one of the ways that I can also do that. I do it a little bit through my writing or I I try to, um, but I also hope to do that with this podcast as well. Cool. Yeah, it's a skill, I think, to be able to distill that so I'm looking forward to your bringing that more of that into now that you're a host, Yael. Yeah. yeah and I think that's a value that the three of us have talked about in terms of sharing that we all three of us value evidence-based uh, and evidence-informed psychology. And so our hope is to really draw from, from the research and draw from um, academia, but also have it be flexible in the way that it shows up in practice. And really, I think we, with the three of our heads and the three of our lives, we can, we can bridge some of that divide between research and practice. Mm -hmm. And add a personal note every now and then we like to (laughs) make it personal too. (laughs) So on a personal note, we had personal questions for each other outside of uh, just psychology. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about each of you and share about each of you to our listeners. So one question that I had for you, Debbie, is what other podcasts do you listen to? Um, okay. So I love, uh, we've talked about new books network before on the podcast. I, uh, my friend Marshall started it and we sometimes cross post our episodes for people who have written books on there. And so I've been listening to some of those more recently and there's some great ones. I just listened to one that Marshall did actually on the book, why Buddhism is true. Mm. Have oh, you guys heard that book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have. One. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there are a whole bunch of different topics and I find myself listening to topics. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I was interested in that. So that's good for like learning about books. Um, A couple that I listen to that are related to our field. I love the Esther Perel's. If you guys listen to Where Shall We Begin, where she plays real couples therapy episodes. 
No yeah. way. No. I have to so check that out. <laughs> yeah. I love her. I love her writing, but I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard Ooh, that her podcast. Sounds like, that so sounds it's called, fascinating. It's called yeah. where, we, where Should We Begin? I think it's called Where Shall We Begin, okay. I think. Cool. Yeah. I might be getting that wrong. Um, and then I, I always kind of go back to Dear Sugar. I like that one. Um, but I don't know. I listen to weird topics like food and literature and all kinds of, you know, health topics. So I just, I get kind of, I don't know if our, I hope our listeners don't do this, but I get kind of like tired of one. And so I just, yeah. I'm just all <laughs> over the place with one. I guess I listen to like one here and then another one. And so, yeah, I'm a little all over the place, but those are a few I like. Okay. So I'll ask a question. Um, I'm going to ask Diana. Okay. Something personal, just like so, a hobby or something personal about you. What are your hobbies, Diana? Well, I've shared a little bit about this on the podcast, but I have a bit of a homestead over here in Santa Barbara. And really, most of my hobbies reside around making things from scratch. So <laughs> we do. We roast our own coffee. I make my own bread from like wild yeast. We have chickens. I have a big vegetable garden where I grow a lot of our own food. I'm always fermenting something. Uh, beekeeping. So pretty much I like to go forage for elderberries and make my own syrup for my kids. <laughs> I really, my sister, my sister said once to me, if you could make water from scratch, you would. And then I said, but we do <laughs> because we use reverse osmosis and then add in our own specific minerals. So I'm really like making what? things from scratch. I'm actually, I'm pretty intimidated right now. <laughs> I'm a homesteader. Last night I made mac and cheese from a box. Yeah, it's, it's an obsession of mine, and I think that if I could have, I think I should have been on Little House in the Prairie. I'd like I, that time would have been really good for me because I would have liked like making my own clothes and you know stuff like that, making my own house. That's so funny. Yeah. Do you that you share and make your own wool? No, but we have considered goats. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm yeah. I'm really I'm really impressed and sort of intimidated. <laughs> so you can expect some wax products coming your way in the near future with the bees. Yeah. So okay, so we need to ask Yael something. I'm going to yeah. ask you one. Okay, Yael, what's the best non psychology book you've read lately? Um, the best non psychology book that I've read lately is Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Do you guys know him? He he's. Oh, yeah show and he's super funny and um my father-in-law for my birthday got me a subscription to audible I basically i so i have an 18 month old who's not a good sleeper so i basically stopped reading for i don't know six to nine months entirely and i wanted to start reading but you know i have a baby so it's kind of hard um he's now 18 months and he sleeps much better but time is still limited because i have three small people that i take care of plus all the jobs so um the audible thing has just been magic but he bought it and, and suggested that book to me so that was like the first book that i read it was my entry back into literature mm -hmm. um and it's it's like a very it's not a funny story. It's actually a really heartbreaking story. So Trevor Noah was born in South Africa during apartheid, and he is of mixed race. His mother is African. His father is, now I'm going to forget, I think German. And so his his childhood is was difficult and really fascinating. And um, he's, I think a lot of comedians are just really insightful about human behavior. And, and it was just a really fascinating story with like a, a whole lot of just really intuitive and insightful observations about humankind. And so I really, I just, I thought it was beautiful. So I highly recommend it. So Debbie, um, 
here's a question for you. What job would you have if you weren't a psychologist? Oh, um, well, uh, I think a couple of things that I have been interested before, I think my, like, I have this alter self that was like a, like an English professor or an English teacher, high school or college level English teacher. Cause I just love always been such a bookworm. I love to read. And I feel like if I could get paid to like read and teach people about, you know, fiction and stuff, that would be kind of my other dream job. I thought about changing to an English major at the very end of school and I didn't, um, or an anthropologist. Cause that was my other major in college. And I kind of decided not to go that route, but sometimes I picture myself out in some, you know, exotic location studying some, I don't know, other culture or something like that. Um, so yeah, those are the two things realistic. I have also had this, always this fantasy in my head of being a writer. I just think it's like fascinating, but I really have never been <laughs> much of a writer. Like just don't like I it. I that so. fantasy too. <laughs> yeah. I just picture myself like in a cabin in the woods, like writing all day. And so, yeah, talent may have been required for that one, but yeah. Growth mindset, Debbie. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe someday. So I have a question for Yael. Uh, so on the podcast, we talk a lot about behavioral psychology principles, and I'm sure you're doing that a lot with your clients. But what are some of the behavioral psychology principles you use in your own personal life, like with your kids or your partner? Spouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I use a lot of behavioral principles with both my children and my spouse, and um, I'm actually a very explicit advocate of using behavioral principles with one's spouse, which I, I think um, we don't think about that as much as we do think about that with our children. Um, but I think, you know, human beings are just, we respond to reinforcement, we respond to shaping, we respond to punishment. Of course, punishment is less effective than the others. Um, and so I, I, I think about it a lot. One of the principles that I use the most is shaping. So that's the idea that you're sort of uh, um, reinforcing approximations of the behavior that you're eventually looking for. So for example, if you want your kid to... Um, hang up their backpack when they get home at the end of a school day. Um, you try to find ways to reinforce uh, pieces of the behavior that are getting closer and closer to the ultimate larger behavior. So um, I try to do that with my children all the time. And then I also try to do it with my spouse. So if there's things that I really want from him, like um, for him to we had, we for example had this phase where he wouldn't let me know what time he was coming home at the end of the day and it made me a little crazy so he you know slowly started telling me like a little bit before he knew and i would let him know that i very much appreciated that and would let him know in even more effusive terms when i uh, that i appreciated it when it was a little bit earlier so those kinds of things so i think about it all the time in terms of what are the things that i'm looking for and just as a way that I in incentivize myself to do it is I try to think about this idea of like catching the people that I love being good. Cause I think we all have a tendency to sort of focus on the things that we don't like and, and to sort of um, harp on them, right. As mothers and wives and daughters and friends, but it's a lot more useful. And, and there's a lot of research supporting this in terms of the effectiveness. It's a lot more useful for us to sort of focus on the things that we do like and to ignore the stuff that we don't like. So I, mm -hmm. I definitely try to do that in my family life all the time. Good um, idea. 
<laughs> so, Diana, how about a question for you? So, tell us something that you've suggested to a client but have struggled with yourself. So, this is a long list, but <laughs> I'll start with, with where, one. Do, where, where do I begin? Uh, yeah. It's always, I will just say, um, as a therapist, it's always easier to suggest things to clients than to do it for yourself. And oftentimes therapy chair is much more yeah, comfortable. It's much more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but, but one thing that's become really uh, evident for me that I, that I have struggled with my whole life and I've have, have been working on much more recently is my, my critic. And I think the two of you will know this about me. So basically every single time we do a podcast afterwards, I'm like, that was terrible. I, yeah. you know, it was not good. I think we should re-record. I have this a very, very strong uh, critic. And I think my critic sits next door to my perfectionist and they're kind of holding hands and sometimes they run the show. So I, I know that I actually see that in clients pretty quickly. I see their critic and their perfectionist and I, and uh, part of uh, a lot of my personal work has been has been on uh, maybe not silencing the critic, but choosing to listen to a more compassionate voice. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been really interested in the compassion focused therapy more recently. So, yeah, I have a strong critic, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, she's been around for a while. Yeah, you do. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Well, that was fun getting to know the, the, each of you a little bit more in a, in a different way. And I am excited about our future episodes because we've actually backlogged and lined up quite a few people that I think our listeners are going to love. Yes, we have some great episodes coming up. So excited about where things are headed. We're getting more and more listeners. We're getting some great interviews. We have some really exciting topics ahead. So please, we really want everyone to stay tuned. We also really want people to write reviews on iTunes for us. We'd love to hear more from our listeners. We know that there's some people listening. We have some evidence of that, but we want to hear more from you. So if any of you guys are willing, we'd love to have you, you know, speak up. And how iTunes works is that if you get reviews and you get stars on iTunes, it makes your podcast more available to other people. So if this is a podcast you want other people to listen to or you found helpful for you and you think other therapists may benefit from or other people that are interested in psychology may benefit from, go and write a review for us. It's a way to give back to us. We put a lot into this podcast and we, we would really love your support in this. Yes. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who listens. And Yael, welcome to the team. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to, to be a part of this in an ongoing way. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes. You can also find us at www.offtheclockpsych.com. That's offtheclockpsych.com. Music by John Goo and Susie Stevens.